everybody, and welcome to the never-ending game show marathon that is game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas, still trying to figure out why I decided to do this. You know, there are podcasts about wrestling, there's podcasts about movies, horror films, there's podcasts about just about everything, and I decided game shows. And then I said, you know what, every week we talk about game shows, it'll be fun, I love game shows. And then you know what happens, I watch game shows that I hate, and I have to talk about them, and it just annoys the shit out of me. I'm your host, Sean Haas. I'm recording all of these in the earliest of June, so this will be spread out throughout the summer. There's a lot of game shows going on and a lot of probably repeats of game shows, am I right? You're looking at game shows and you're like, oh shit, this is a pandemic episode because of how stretched out the podiums are. And you're right. Welcome to the new normal, folks. Anyway, uh, this week's shows is going to be full of a few Game Show Network originals, some good, some bad. I just threw, I just grabbed the whole bunch out of a box and hope for the best. And that's what we're going to be doing today. So today, we'll be talking about some more interactive game shows. Last week, we talked about the Super Decades trivia track. But what about the new Call and Win contest? Here's a look at Play Mania. So this is the episode part where it's very weird to explain. Uh, we're doing two game shows back to back, but it's very quick. We're talking Play Mania and 100 Winners. Uh, Play Mania is this call and win concept uh, that I remember way, way back in the day of Game Show Network. I would say this was the time when they were really hoping anything sticks. They were in that anything's a game going into reality television. And it lasted from 2006 to 2007. And they had a spinoff game show also on the Game Show Network called 100 Winners. The iconic host was Shandy Finessi, who was, I believe, also a Miss America contestant. And also, uh, she was, I believe, also the lingo sidekick for Chuck Woolery at the later end of the run. Additionally, uh, Jeff Tist also uh, hosted the show. He's currently doing Rods and Wheels on uh, Discovery Channel. And fun fact, he, he is a mutual friend of mine on Facebook. He uh, is currently also, I believe, a production coordinator on the Price is right right now. One of the nicest, nicest people you will ever, ever meet. Um, uh, the one thing I want to actually say is the other person besides Shandy that's famous is Mel Peachy, just British lady who is very energetic and fun. Uh, there is a long episode about Colin Wynn shows that I saw on YouTube, and I don't want to really overlap um, because essentially what people say about these shows is it's cheating, but it's not cheating. So this was a show that aired for like four hours or so in 100 winners, where the idea was that there was a game for you to play. Guess the five letter word. It starts with an A and an L. And we'll add a third word in like 10 minutes. We What's the top five? If you get this right, you get 100 bucks. Very low stakes games. So they would offer like $100 or $50 or, or $200 if you get this thing right. 
But here's the catch. The numbers weren't toll free. If you called in, it would be a dollar or a dollar fifty or fifty cents. It would be some sort of variant of, we'll say a dollar. And then when you call, you would get the busy signal saying, sorry, uh, we were busy with other Please call again. So then you would call again, pay another dollar. Same thing would happen. But the thing is, though, while you're calling and you're hearing the busy signal, you're hearing the host go, where's no callers? Please pick up the phone. I need a name. I need to know a five letter word. If you think you know it, give us a call. And this would go on for hours and hours. Well, very, very loud techno music would be playing in the background. So here is essentially my recreation of Playmania. All right, guys, we are looking for a orange fruit. If you can think of an orange fruit, call us at this 1-900 number right now. Once again, we're looking for an orange fruit. Well, if you know what the orange fruit is, please give us a call. 1-900, or you could let us know. now if you can tell me the orange fruit if, we, if you tell us the orange fruit you can get three hundred dollars you just need to know where that orange fruit is oh oh we have a caller hello where are you calling from okay can't hear a word of that but looking for an orange fruit is it an orange? All right, is it an orange? Oh, sorry, no, it wasn't an orange. I know good guess an orange fruit, orange always makes sense, but no, we're not looking for an orange. Once again, we're looking for an orange fruit, though. If you can think of that orange fruit, give us a call right now. That guy almost got it, right, with an orange fruit. You know, I, I love orange smoothies. Orange smoothies are very tasty. Again, we are looking for an orange fruit. Give us a call now. We need to find an orange fruit. If you can guess the orange fruit, $400 now. We're running out of time to find the orange fruit. Give us a call now. Hello, is it a, is it a mango? Oh, we're not gonna do small tap. You really wanna play the game. Is it a mango? Ah. Oh, sorry, no, it's not not a mango. You know, we only have a few seconds left. Please give us a one more call. Oh no, the producers are telling us we're out of time. We were looking for a nectarine. A nectarine. Idiots. Later on down the line, Playmania would have uh, two spin-off shows, 100 Winners and uh, Playnation. So I, I didn't want to call those new game shows. So it's really three game shows talked about today. Uh, Quiz Nation is essentially the, what the Playmania show was. So there's these five-letter games. There's an anagram game. There's a word slam game. Give me the top five. What's missing here? All of those things that we're talking about, which are very supposed to be very broadly simple that you have to call because you think you know the answer. Um, that would, what would become the Playmania games would now be called Quiz Nation. 
but some of those games would also carry over to another game called 100 Winners, uh, in which I'm going to say it's the uh, Mel Peachy era, but also uh, Jeff hosted, Shandy hosted, and Jessica hosted, where essentially, like Playmania and a uh, game nation the idea was that you would call in win however instead of the hey you get a hundred dollars if you're right you would actually have to figure out what number to pick uh, which would be similar to the cash vault which was on british quiz nation they would play the same games. They would be on Play Nation. Guess the number. What's this thing? What year is this? What? Who, who's dead? Who's alive? Here's a trivia question. Get it right. However, the values on the game would be different. So, uh, layout of the vault. Uh, merch packages too. $10.00. Prizes thirty seven, twenty five dollar prices thirty three, fifty dollar was ten, seventy five six, hundred dollar wins eight, two fifty two, five hundred dollar win is one, and one thousand dollar win is one. So about four thousand four thousand nine eighty three ninety in cash and prizes. The merch package includes a mug, a hat, and a Playmate T shirt. Uh, the layout was used on the premiere was skipped in various weeks was the merch and then just low low values then they would change it to an all cash game with 10s 25s 50s 75s 100 250s 500s and a thousand bringing the cash total to five thousand two hundred dollars case in point though now you can win ten dollars if you're right or you will win a thousand but either way you get ten dollars the whole premise of 100 winners was at the end of the night there would be 100 winners for the show but as you know, because you're stretching the show for so long, they would not have a hundred winners. So what they would try to do is then they would say, well, if you win this, you get three boxes or five boxes or the rest of the vault. Meaning that they would just try and cash out as much as possible. This makes the game very boring. Additionally, there was attempts at this with like Midnight Money Madness on, I believe, TBS. And they, they tried this in other channels. They tried this in the UK with a Sudoku show. They tried this, I believe, in India because it's a, an easy lottery style show because there's this premise of you getting money, but you're being charged to do it. Now, at the time of Millionaire, they did that to recoup the cost so that way they can give away a million dollars with something like Playmania, same thing happened you call enough and eventually that triggers that you load it in and then you get a play this would be sometimes a little schemy a little shady from certain reports that we've read about uk versions of this show what would happen is a producer or a friend of a producer would be the one calling in to play to show that it is possible to get a hold of it if they don't reach the threshold, so that could entice more people to call in. Because this was Game Show Network, and this aired around like the late, late night, I would fathom, even at its highest point, it would be getting very low viewership. I would say low hundreds of thousands, if not less. Which means some contestants would have to call hundreds and hundreds of times 
before they get picked up, which means that they could be losing out on money because they call maybe 10 times and they call those 10 times and they didn't get picked up. So then they try again another day for 10 times and then Wednesday they try 10 times and Thursday they try 10 times. And then Friday, they finally get picked up and they finally get the call and they win the $10. So they recoup 10 bucks after spending $40 or so the week. So they are at a loss, but they're at a win because they got to be on the show and play a game and meet Sandy or Mel Peachy. To me, it's a very weird thing because it was the only thing on, but it was also the most boring thing on. I liked it because it was addictive, but didn't like it because of its format point, which was just scamming people out of money. To me, it was very shady, and I'm still very ashamed in Game Show Network and kind of putting it on. But if it was a success in Britain and it's a way to make money for the network, they got to go for it. Give it a try, right? It's nothing harmful about it, right? Right? So, I will give one guilty pleasure about the show, though. Even though it did air, I will admit that when I had a game show network in my room and watched it, it was my nightlight. What I would do before going to bed is put it on game show network, because I know Play Manny would be on at like 10 o'clock. Put it on and then put the sleep counter at like two hours or three hours and then just set it to that and fall asleep because it's such a boring-ass show. So while I will say there's no redeemable qualities of the show other than its successful hosts that were very lovable, I would say it was very good to fall asleep to. And I was in high school at the time, and you know people would just stay up all night. It put me to sleep. And that's a good thing. Thank you, Playmania, Quiz Nation, or 100 Winners, whatever you want to call it. You were essentially what is most podcasts these days for me. Anyway, I'm glad I never spent money on that shit. <laughs> you know, watching Game Show Network Originals, at first it's like a fun concept because, oh, I, there's like it's this big old TV channel. And then it's like, hey, it's this little piece of thing that brought so much joy to me in my life. Let's just celebrate the new stuff. You know, lots of great stuff happened. And then it's like this weird area where GSN was barely, like, on my mind. And uh, there was a few shows there. Mostly because a lot of the shows that they were putting on weren't really ones I was clamoring for. Because it was mostly like six solid hours of Steve Harvey family feud. Now, Steve Harvey is the new host of family. It's not the new host. It's the host of family feud. He's hosted longer than Richard Dawson. But, uh, you know, in many ways, we have to celebrate that. Like Wayne Brady, for instance, this year he has hosted Let's Make a Deal longer than Monty Hall. And that's a fact that no one's really going to be talking about because they always think it's Monty Hall's show. But... Wayne Bray has hosted longer than Monty Hall at this point. What does that say about his performance as a host, the longevity of the show, and television history in general? This next game show we're talking about is so short-lived, nobody fucking cares to remember it. This is Hidden Agenda. 
Hidden Agenda is this game show. <sighs> oh, God. So, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to tell you this right now. I, I really should have just saved this and made a whole episode on hidden camera bullshit shows because game show in my head and deal with it and you're on all follow the same garbage protocol now game show in my head is joe rogan fifty thousand dollars and five challenges you're on is a team of kids three challenges to win like a nintendo but in the case of uh deal with it you can win five thousand dollars if you convince and it gets more and more with theo vaughn but with hidden agenda you get michael davies famed jeopardy executive producer extraordinaire because embassy row to do this hilarious game show. And except with this one, it's played with couples. One is in on the game, the other one is not. So it's just like deal with it. They have an earpiece and have to convince their life partner. Sometimes the, the wife, the husband, uh, the longtime boyfriend to do silly things together. And the more that they can do, the more money they make. And that's it. It last seven episodes got canceled because this format fucking sucks. Hidden Agenda, when I watched a clip, not an episode, a clip was boring as shit. I get the appeal because it's, oh, wow, let's convince somebody to pie themselves in the face. But at the same... Ugh. I feel like I'm going to repeat myself with this. So um, apologies in advance. This genre of, of fucking game is terrible. Now, it it, it it makes sense. It comes from the world of truth or consequences. The hidden camera convince your husband to do something was actually a thing that was back in the truth or consequences days way back in the 1950s. It's that old. However, this is a very different version of it because in this version, they made a game within a game. You have to do these challenges. If you win, the more money you get. But it just doesn't fit at all. The reason a game like this doesn't work is because it is essentially a prank show. You're making a fucking prank show. You're not making a game show. You're making a prank show. But the prank show isn't really a prank because it's really lighthearted shit. Like, hey, you got to convince your husband to drink this weird milkshake and they win $500. Like, hey, you got to convince that you're, you are hypnotized and you think you are a duck and you got to get your husband to tell this hypnotist to stop it it's that level of terrible it's i get it it's supposed to be like a how much do you love me kind of situation but in terms of like a dare show it does it fucking sucks this kind of concept is a lot better on mtv when the, and even then it sucks because i remember you've got a friend did that same fucking dipshit thing like hey do the dare but because i'm telling you to it's it never works a dare based show like this never fucking works you know what works in terms of the hidden camera challenge format impractical jokers you know why impractical jokers works versus a hidden agenda game show in my head you're on 
because they're aware it's a fucking prank show, not a fucking game show. When, when you look at Impractical Jokers, it's not a game show, even though there it's technically a fucking game show because if they fail and they do a punishment at the end of the show, like Kenny versus Spenny. However, the challenges are just, hey, go to the supermarket and shoplift from somebody's cart and not get caught. Or, hey, go to the mall and talk to this stranger and say what's in your ear. Or, hey, uh, you've got to do one of these slideshow presentation things like an improv class, but you got to do it in front of these total strangers. Like that kind of fucking dare-like show. It's played for fucking laughs on Impractical Jokers. Hidden Agenda, it's somewhat played for laughs because there's voiceover work. And there's supposed to be laugh track, but none of it is actually really funny. And none of the contestants are actors, or maybe they are, but they're terrible at it because they have to fucking be with them at the end of the fucking day. So it's another terrible fucking game show. Because, oh, you gotta, you, can you convince your husband to wear a dress? <sighs> Because the joke is that they're on hang camera, so they'll see that they're in a dress. That's the joke. You see, it's a guy wearing a dress. He ain't fuck, and so you're going to convince that they don't want to wear a dress because masculinity is... It's very funny shit, you guys. You got to really understand. You got to have a real think process here. That's the kind of shit we ended up with. And this, no matter what version of this game show exists, none of it fucking lands. The time it lands is when it's played as a prank show. And prank shows are jumping in right now. There is Celebrity Prank Wars on E, the prank panel on ABC, Eric Andre's show is back for, I think, its final season. So something's up. And it's just a little bit... Going back to this being a prank show, it's very fucking boring. And two, not really that funny. I fell asleep essentially, watching a clip of Hidden Agenda. I didn't even watch the full fucking episode. Maybe it gets good, but I doubt it. The show ended after seven episodes, presumably because even GSN had enough of this shit. I, and please, do not make another one of these formats. I get it. It's very easy because hitting cameras... And the premise is basically, can you convince somebody to do something? I get it. No, not, that, that fucking works. However, you know how the, that format kind of works a lot better is uh, if you make it more of a game show and you make it more aware that everyone's on a game show. Or you just make a fucking prank hitting camera show and you forget all about it. Hidden Agenda remains one of the worst shows that come out of the 2010s. In fact, I think it's the wor first worst game show of the 2010s because it came out January 2010. So it, it's really sad. Now, Debbie Gutierrez did not deserve that. She's a good comedian. She's very funny. I just think she just ended up with a bad show. Oh, God, do I have to talk about all these hidden camera fucking shows? Oh boy, can't wait to talk, deal with it with Theo Vaughn. Joy, yay. God, I hope this, is there a possible way for this podcast to end before that happens? Anyway, this next game show is actually 
the one that most people forget is a GSN original, but is one that I would say is one of the better ones to have come out, and is one that many, many, many people will go, all right, that one. And if you know what it is, well, you already probably saw the, th the thumbnail. This is Hollywood Showdown. So, a while back, I talked about Jackpot, one of my favorite game shows with Jeff Edwards. And I always thought Hollywood Showdown was a uh, PAX game show because it aired on PAX in the year 2000. But it turns out it was also a Game Show Network original. So it's essentially a mix of a GSN and a PAX original. For the sake of this episode, we are going to be saying it's a GSN original. So Hollywood Showdown was this very fun quiz game because it's all about pop culture, TV shows, movies, and music, most of the time movies. Uh, there were seven contestants, and there were five episodes every week, just like Jackpot, Monday through Friday, competing to answer trivia questions. One is in the hot seat area that's like the, the rotating champion. The other six are sitting in the quote-unquote box office, I believe that's what they call it. I forget what they call it. I think they just call it like the box office or the, the, the theater, and you have to pick your opponent. Five of the six had cash amounts ranging from $100 to $1,000, just like Jackpot. I don't have the box office card, but I got $740. Yay. So then the contestant goes up on stage from the gallery, and they give the contents out, and then they have to play a head-to-head -head challenge against each other. There's a question with three possible answers. Uh, whoever rings in with the correct answer gets a point. If they're wrong, the opponent can answer with the other two answers to steal the point. Whoever was the first to get three out of five right wins the game, and the other, uh, the loser, the runner-up, is in out for the remainder of the game. I'm putting in air quotes. If the gallery showed a dollar amount, it was added to the box office jackpot, which started at $10,000 on Monday, and grew and grew the value being collected. However, if it was the box office card, th then they actually end up playing for the jackpot. Essentially, box office was jackpot! Alright. <clears throat> Whoever wins the head-to-head -head challenge with the box office goes on to play the bonus round, which was called Box Office. There are five questions, and there are two category choices with the, with the Box Office. Each correct answer is worth $500. The fifth and final question was worth the jackpot. If you, re if you say a correct answer... You get $500, you could stop and take that $500 or risk it for level 2 with these two categories. And it would go again to level 4. You have $2,000, do you want to keep that or play on with these final two categories? If you give an incorrect answer, you lose all your money. Uh, if you go all the way and you get it right, you win the jackpot. 
If you win the jackpot, it resets to $10,000 and they play again. But also, whoever won the box office is retired from the show, so you get another contestant, which means if this was like a Thursday-Friday episode and somebody won, well, then you only have maybe one episode chance to play the box office and get a chance. All weeks are self-contained, meaning the game in progress on Friday could not continue the following Monday. When time ran out, all remaining gallery members opened up their envelopes and the one holding the box office card completed in the final question round for the week. The winner of that round would either accept the $1,000 and leave the show or return next week for a brand new $10,000 box office. Early in its first season, the winner of the last Friday showdown game would play the box office one last time. In Box Office Bonanza Week, that aired in its first season in May 2000, the box office card was replaced in some games with the Blockbuster card. Oh, make it a Blockbuster night. When found, the winner of that question round played for a double box office jackpot. However, the prize returned to its original value if it was not won. So on the Wednesday show of that week, 33260 was won. The Friday payoff rules remained except that the winner of the final question was offered $2,000 to leave the show. <clears throat> it was by Sandy Stewart Television and Montana Productions. It was filmed in Sony Pictures and narrated by the great game show announcer Randy West and hosted by Todd Newton. Yes, Todd Newton. So before... Whammy, the all-new Press Your Luck, when he was the, gar the darling of game shows, before Game Show Marathon, before he was doing Family Game Night, he was the face of Hollywood Showdown. Why Hollywood Showdown, you might be asking? Well, simply put, because he was famed for being a correspondent, a host, a newsreader on E! News back in the 90s. And it was essentially his breakthrough hit. He was a face of E. So getting a movie-based trivia show was a no-brainer for his identity as the movie person. To me, that's what makes it such a great show. Now, Hollywood Showdown wasn't jackpot. It wasn't with riddles. It was with pop culture questions. So it was like, uh, Scream would be category... And it'll be a question about Nev Campbell, for instance. Uh, and these were very easy. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're easy peasy questions because some of them were a real pop culture. You had to remember like the movie a bit, but they were really good. The set looked like a classic Hollywood, a skyline with the Hollywood sign and the little uh, a mini fake lights to try and look like uh, spotlights for movie premieres which i thought was very cute it basically reminded me of like what if they just did a game show set inside a hollywood video not a blockbuster a hollywood video and i thought that was a very uh fantastic game show concept here's where i kind of get a little uh, is because again it's cash values it's $10,000 at the time was still not game show minimum. It was $5,000 at the time. $10,000 is game show minimum now. So if you were ever going to reboot the show, $20,000 would be the game show minimum of the time. But 
What I did kind of uh, get confused by was that Friday finale play for the box office. I, I kind of wish, and this is just me, maybe because I kind of want more payouts and more money, I would rather have had the um, the box office either be won immediately, it, like the last one who got the box office just gets the box office, or you just keep carrying that amount till the next week of shows with the next group of people. Obviously, you don't have to chime in here. Obviously, I know why, because they are filming these out of sequence. So an episode that may have been filmed in January will be at the end of the show's run, while something that was filmed last week could be immediately airing. You never know. So it really comes down to the jackpot, the value, and all that, but it's still such a fascinating thing. For me, though, as this was the 2000, and yes, it's pop culture, and it's a very cute game show, the $500 or stop routine that you would see in things like The Joker's Wild or Tic-Tac-Toe, I, I don't think it really fits this. Now, I like the fact that they kind of try to go for like the, if I remember correctly also, the one, two, three, four, fives are what looks like a motion picture countdown, which I thought was always cute. But the, do you want to stop and go on? Never really made sense in the hall in the box office round because you're risking 500,000, 15 or 2000, which is the amounts you would see on like a, let's make a deal round these days. I think it would have been a lot better if it was a double or nothing on each question. So 500 or you go on for a thousand, 2000 or you go home with nothing. 4000 or you go with nothing? Because the last one is $10,000. That's more than double. That's the $10,000 jackpot plus whatever you have. Uh, that would have made more sense if we were going to go into a risk-reward situation with a $10,000 jackpot, for instance. Um, I think the questions were perfectly matching the difficulty on the one to five. I think the payouts are fun. But I also think it's kind of horseshit that they have to retire. I get it. I understand why they need to retire. But I think it, what would make the show more enticing is if the person who won the box office just sort of goes back to the gallery and then someone else is called up to do it. Or whoever won the box office is still the champion and they could still play for another $10,000 through the course of Friday. Because then you have a, like a returning champion kind of character. Oh, can someone beat this person? He's already won three times in the box office, so he's won $36,000 or so. That would have made more sense to me, but that's all right. I love this game. This is, to me, one of the better Game Show Network originals because it's just jackpot but pop culture questions. It's straightforward to figure it out. Three out of five wins, you ring in at the time, it's classic game show buzzers, and it was just fun. To me, it is one of the most fun game shows I remember from Game Show Network's past, and it's one that I think still holds up because it's not a solid flat $10,000, a solid flat $20,000. There's that little bit of the $10 mark, so you're really winning $12,430, and you're like, oh, okay. I just wish there was a way for it to be built up. 
Obviously, they only lasted two seasons. It didn't really last that long, uh, and I found that to be very uh, sad. But that's usually what happens when it comes to a Game Show Network original. What becomes a one and done, sometimes it's just a two and through. There's not really long-lasting Game Show Network originals, as much as I loved Hollywood Showdown. And 100%, I think it was just ahead of its time. I think in this world of pop culture trivia that we have now, it could still hold up as a as a game show staple. But I think that it would be better suited for a syndication run, a Fox run, or something else of that sort. But that's it for the Hollywood Showdown clip of the show. Again, there really isn't much to talk about other than I really like that box office bonus from very straightforward. The head-to-head challenges also very straightforward. It just felt like a classic King of the Hill style game show, and I always appreciate that. Do you think that maybe they were planning on having a blockbuster card instead of a box office? I don't know, just talking out loud here. Anyway, um, Hollywood Showdown is still one of my favorite game shows. Just for the fact it's simplistic and fun. But this last game show on today's episode is one that pretty much I don't think anyone's remembered. And it just came out this decade. Welcome to Get a Clue. Okay, the next one is Get a Clue. Fuck. So, ABC had a big hit with the $100,000 Pyramid with Michael Strahan. However, you only get so many episodes of that. So, people are trying to figure out how to get that same appeal of a guessing game onto uh, televisions more faster. One such idea was to make 25 words or less a popular board game into a game show, and that would end up being a hit on Fox Syndication. However, 25 words or less would not really show up on GSN except for only very recently, that they had to come up with a new clue-giving guessing game of their own. Behold, Get a Clue, a game show on Game Show Network based on clue-giving. But instead of with celebrities, it's play with large teams of four people. (sighs) If you guessed right, it's the $10,000 prize and they get $1,000. It's like every fucking modern GSN show. You're fucking right. Hosted by Rob Belushi. You know John Belushi? You know Jim Belushi? Well, get ready for Rob Belushi. That's the son of Jim Belushi. He's actually pretty funny. He just ended up with a really shit show. Uh, So, Get a Clue is played with two teams of four. We could have just tried to reboot maybe Hot Streak if we wanted to have a team of four versus a team of four concept. But instead, we need to come up with this original idea, Do Not Steal, where there is guessing words and it goes one to another word to another word in each round there are five words for the team to figure out kind of like pyramid but instead of seven or six it's five and instead of just one person being the giver and the other one giving the receive it passes much like hot streak where player one gives the first word and then player two gives the second word then player three gives the third word, then player four gives the last word to player one, who then does it a fucking again. 
in round one, 100 points per word is available. And if you can get all five for five, you get a 200 point bonus. Because why not? America says does it. We can do that too. There's a category, much like Pyramid, of them to decide. And then they play the game with 30 seconds or 45 seconds if it's season two. They made it season two. However, season two, pandemic hit and it was really fucking dour. Look, look, season one was okay. Season two, when they end up with pandemic level sets and, and all the spacing, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't stop laughing right now. I get social distancing and I get safety and the need for a game show. But teams of four playing a guessing game for $10,000 and the podiums are, I'm assuming they were like 10 feet away for safety reasons. But because of the camera in the distance, it looks like they are like football fields away. So it looks like they have to shout every fucking clue. It's just a really embarrassing way. Like it's okay. It's what teachers use on the whiteboard. It's it. It's also permanent, like a sharp. I can't say a brand uh, like a sharp. Uh, one of those. Anyway. They do this back and forth. In round two, they do it again. That's it. Uh, but this time, they can remove a word, and two players have 60 seconds to guess the remaining seven words. <sighs> In round two, of course, the values are doubled because it's GSN, and that's the standard we usually do. Round three is choose your word, which is the bullshit catch-up round. Just like on 25 words or less, where they get to build their stack of clues... Whoever is the team captain can choose a 200, 400, or 600 point clue, making it more and more difficult. If the word is either guessed or passed, the giver chooses a new value, and it keeps going. When 15 seconds remain, a 2,000 point word becomes available. However, the giver must immediately pass or complete the current word in order to select it. It's basically the Hail Mary pass at the end. So choose your word is basically just we repeat the same game, but now it's 200. Uh, it's the thing you wear on your hat. It's it, it, baseball players wear it. It's a hat. It's a cap. Yes. 400. Uh, it's an animal at the zoo with a snout. It's a pig. OK, 400. That's that's how the show is supposed to go. But then the Hail Mary 2000 point word at the end, which is usually a little challenging, a little difficult. And the Hail Mary passed because let's face it, 2000 points when you're seeing 100 per correct word and 200 in round two. You're pretty much going to win the game if you get the 2001 right within the 10 seconds. Which makes it just the worst kind of golden snitch of the game. And I hate to call it Golden Snitch because that's a Harry Potter reference. And I don't want to give that turf any more of a reference. Uh, so anyway, it's a fuck you bullshit mechanic. We'll just say it's a fuck you bullshit mechanic these days. Whoever wins and gets the highest score at the end of round three gets $1,000. They can split that four ways. That's $250 a piece. 
The other team gets nothing. Thanks for driving all the way to Selmar, I'm assuming. Tiebreaker. If the score is tight after round three, a tiebreaker is play where this pre-ring clues. They can ring at any time if they know the answer. This is basically just a fucking password tiebreaker. But hey, if they're wrong, the other team wins by default. It's not a guess and go. In bonus round, the winning team has 60 seconds to go through as many words as possible. One member's chosen to describe the first word, randomized, when the entire podium glowing up orange in season two, but the guessers chosen at random for the others, and the entire podium lighting up green in season two. A correct guess passes control to the guesser to the next word, and then it basically is a chain. Uh, unlike the first two rounds, passing always gives the incoming giver a new word, and the same goes if an illegal clue is given or when someone calls out an incorrect answer. If you can get eight words in 60 seconds, you win $10,000. But if you fail, you only get the thousand. That's a fucking show. One of the most memorable moments of Get a Clue was when Buzzerblog, Alex Davis, shout out, uh, showed a clip of Get a Clue where there was this horrific final round where not a single word was correct. Just incorrect, 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 incorrect. Bad guesses, bad clues in a way that was the most infuriating 60 seconds I've probably seen in quite a while. Get a Clue would end after two seasons because it's 2021 was the last year it aired and it's 2023 now. We could only assume the show ended. It never really got the official cancellation notice. However, when it turns to a guessing game, it's weird because like Pyramid is the one that everyone goes to when it comes to this because of its, um, its, its, its likelihoods. Because... When we think of a guessing game show, we think Bob Stewart. Bob Stewart is the master of the give a clue kind of game show. That was things like uh, Pyramid. That is things like Chain Re... Well, not Chain Reaction. Go. Go was like that. Uh, Winning Streak was like that. Just the whole keep putting on clues until you keep getting something because there was no real trivia. You don't have to really write for questions on a game show like this because it's just clues. It was actually trying to save money that way. But when it comes to get a clue, I don't know. It's, yeah, just, yeah. It is currently available on a game show channel, the Fast Channel on Pluto TV. And I'm pretty sure it's still in reruns on GSN from time to time. Although in its current state, I see mostly America Says and People Puzzler, Split Second and Switch and Masterminds. But hey, Maybe Get a Clue will be on there. Maybe. Get a Clue, folks. Wasn't that thrilling enough? How how long ago do you think I recorded that? Anyway, apologies if you were a producer of Get a Clue and you heard that episode. It's exactly how I feel, unfortunately. I, I, I There's a lot better game shows, and I'm sure the producers of Get a Clue can work on much better shows because... I mean, there there is some stuff in there, but I, I it just I watch that and I go, oh god, why do I have to cover this? To me, that's the biggest problems with these GSN originals, is especially the later half of these shows. It all seems too formulaic, and it just gives me a big headache. So that will be it for today's episode of 
Game Show Network's originals part whatever. What we at? Part nine? Part nine. We'll see you again for part ten. We're still not done yet. Part ten. Great. See you soon. Bye bye.